Many of you know I have two delightful children uh, who are now big adults. Uh, one is 28, or will be this year, and one is just turned 25. But when they were little, we used to go for a little walk in the woods. And when we were walking in the woods, uh, we would catch the sound uh, over near us. Uh, there's uh, the Dora Kelly Nature Center, and you can walk down this beautiful path, and you can hear the water flowing, and you can hear the birds singing, and the frogs chirping at the right time of year, all those kinds of things. And one day we were walking, and I heard the water flowing, and I said, you know, do you hear that? And they said, yes, the water's flowing. And I said, that, that, that sound of water is the water singing its praises to God. And they were like, Dad, it's the sound of water. And I was like, listen carefully, listen, listen carefully. So we listened carefully. And, uh, and Hannah and Josh confirmed for me that it was merely the sound of water. And my heart confirmed for me that it was the sound of the water singing praises to God. Yesterday I was looking out our back window as I was washing the dishes um, in the sink. And, you know, it was kind of, it was green. Our backyard's pretty green. Uh, and suddenly this bright red uh, speck flew in and landed in the backyard. Our neighborhood cardinal and uh, the male cardinal, uh, yeah, I know, uh, and landed and was doing what cardinals do, looking for food of various kinds. And I thought, isn't that beautiful? And doesn't that sing? It, it makes my heart sing. I see in that the glory of God. Now, what Hannah and, saw, what Hannah and Josh heard and what I saw and heard in various points, it doesn't mean that they were wrong and I'm right. It simply means that we see sometimes through different sets of eyes. And it's through our own sets of perception that we see the world. Now God has given us a tool, a tool that uh, we are meant to use in perceiving the spiritual, and it's our heart. Yes, I know the heart, you can tell me, okay James, it beats, it beats for, you know, for those of you who are in great shape, maybe 20 beats a minute, pumping all of your blood. Probably Mark Hayes, it beats like five beats a minute um, because he's in, you know, runs long distances. And for someone like me, it, you know, beats, you know, two, three hundred times a minute so that it can get the blood going around, maybe not quite. Somewhere in between for both Mark Hayes and I is probably the truth. But the heart does something more than that. Uh, even the early desert fathers and mothers who went into the desert to try to meet God out there uh, and live the life of a hermit, and sometimes in community, recognized that the heart, if tuned correctly, was the gift God gave us as a way of perceiving what God might be saying in any given moment. So. Uh, Jeremiah seems to have a sense of that in chapter 31 when he says these words that he hears from God. 
I'm reading uh, Jeremiah chapter 31, beginning with verse 31, uh, down through verse 34. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to one another, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive them their iniquity and remember their sin no more. This is a word of the Lord for this morning. Thanks be to God. Now, one of the questions that came to my mind about this piece of prophecy that uh, Jeremiah wrote is exactly when was this covenant coming? Is this some kind of future thing that we're still waiting for? Or is there some kind of event for us as followers of Jesus that happened in the writing on our hearts uh, at his birth and his life and his death and resurrection? Is there a writing on our heart? Is there some form of perception that we have gained that perhaps our predecessors in the journey of faith did not have? Is there some way that we can see and know the truth that God has given us. When Jeremiah writes about God writing uh, this promise that God will write the truth, will write God's word on our hearts, I think it's an invitation for us to recognize that each one of us is going to be the arbiter of our own faith. You and I, each one of us, must decide for ourselves. I can't decide for Linda. I can't, Linda's my wife, by the way. Uh, uh, I can't decide for Hannah and Joshua, my two children. I can't decide for any of you. How you received this message this morning and how you heard the, the book of Jeremiah read to you this morning may sound completely different than what you anticipated. It may sound different to you than it sounds to me. Over the years, one of the things I've discovered very interestingly uh, and I'm in my 30th year here at St. James, is that when I preach, people come up to me oftentimes after the service and tell me what they heard and thank me for whatever that message uh, was. Only I don't recollect saying anything even vaguely like what they heard. But it was what they needed to hear in that moment. That person needed to hear a word of reassurance. And even though I might have been talking fire and brimstone, that doesn't happen very often. I don't think it's ever happened in my 30 years here. So, uh, you know, even though I might have been saying one thing, what they needed was a word of comfort. And somewhere in the midst of that, the Spirit snuck into their hearts and opened a window for them to receive a word of encouragement, a word of uplift. 
And it doesn't just happen when I preach. You know, I am very, very fond of a saying that uh, has been attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. Whether or not he actually said it or not, there's still some debate. But uh, it said, you know, preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. Our lives preach the gospel, and not just our lives, but the lives of those we encounter. When we see a person, the gospel can become real for us in the encounter we have with that person. The good news. That word gospel just means good news. The good news that you are loved, the good news that God loves the person you meet, the good news that God loves the grass in our front yard. The good news that comes to us with the sunrise each morning and the sunset at the end of day that comes in heat and in cold, that comes in all of those times. You know, our earliest um, Christian ancestors, the ones who followed in the path of Jesus, understood, you know, the first 325 years or so, there, there wasn't what we would call a Bible that looks like this. First of all, they didn't have printing presses, so it couldn't have been printed. But second of all, they hadn't even decided which books that we call the New Testament were going to make it in there. That didn't happen until 325. There were lists passed around. Read this, don't read that. Some of the things that were on the don't read list made it to the Bible. Some of the things that were do read lists didn't make it in the Bible. Because when they sat down to discern together what made it and what didn't make it, some made the cut and some didn't. We decided we would accept what our Jewish sisters and brothers considered the Hebrew Bible as our own. But the New Testament was up for grabs. But our ancestors in the faith recognized that the Bible comes to us in more than one form. And the first Bible is creation all around us. Natural revelation, if you want to dance with the philosophers. When we see how a tree stands in the wind, bends just enough so it doesn't break, what does that teach us about how to be people of faith in the world? If we're not looking, nothing. But if we're open to the teachings that might come to us in our hearts, we might see that we too have to bend without breaking when the challenges of life come our way. If we listen with our hearts to the cry of the child, don't we want to respond? Let me tell you what, when Han up until Hannah and Josh were born, Linda and I, I slept like a rock. <laughs> I could sleep through the, and I can last, last night. Linda's like, I woke up at one o'clock. It was, it was terribly storming outside the house. <laughs> I was dead to the world. I did not hear a thing. I didn't hear the lightning that apparently cracked near our house or anything, you know, nothing. But there was a period of time when those children were little where I heard a pin drop in our house. When I was sleeping at night, if I didn't hear breathing in the other room, I got up to make sure people kept breathing. Thank goodness they did. But the truth is, if we tune our hearts to listen to what God is saying to us, God says it to us 
Yes, in this book, if we listen closely, if we listen closely to this book and the words that come to us in this book, we will hear what God has to say. But it's not the only source. We see it in nature. We see it in all sorts of celebrations that we experience in this life. The reality of grief. I have in my ministry, I've lost count of how many memorial services and funerals I've done. In my first year at St. James, I did 24 in 1992, and I was only here for a half year. So I was like two a month, two or three a month. I remember the relentless nature of death, and yet to sit with people who were grieving the loss of someone who had had a full life was radically different than someone who faced the tragedy of someone who had died extremely young and seemed to have missed out on what life might offer. I remember doing a funeral for a young man who committed suicide. And he was young, he was in his early 20s. What words of comfort do you offer in those moments to those parents who are just distraught? What did I miss? Why didn't I see this coming? In those moments, all you can do is listen with your heart and be careful not to say stupid things. You see, God has given us this instrument that's meant to discern God's will in our lives. And we use the scripture as written in the Old and New Testaments and is written in nature and that comes to us as mediated in our friendships and family relationships and even with our enemies, whatever they are. That which comes to us opens us to a bigger reality than ourselves. But in the end, we are the judge and jury of what we will receive in faith and what we won't. Now, I'm not saying there's not a judgment coming one day or whatever that looks like. I have no idea. I don't. There are biblical images that allude to it. I don't know. Quite frankly, they didn't know exactly. None of them have been there. But I know that for me right now, when I hear someone telling me that faith means I should do this or that I shouldn't do that, I have to ask myself the question, what's rising up in my heart if I listen with the ears of my heart, if I open my eyes, the eyes of my heart, what do I see is true? What do I know about this God? What do I love about this God who loves me no matter what, unconditionally, who made me me, 
and never made one like me before and will never make another like me again. Just the one. Every one of you broke the mold. Every one of you online broke the mold because God did it once. Even identical twins aren't identical because in each one, God makes a little bit of the divine image clear. What Jeremiah is alluding to when I read this text, chapter 31, verses 31 through 34, is that the law is written on our hearts, and if we are open, if we can listen, and we listen sometimes in reading these words, and we listen sometimes by watching two children play together, and we listen sometimes by watching that bright red cardinal land in our backyard, or the sound of a brook that just keeps flowing. We see it in the leaves that fall from the trees. You don't see them grasping after the leaves, they just let them go. You see in the new promise of spring, when you've planted seeds and hope they'll grow, and for some of you they do. For me, pretty clear, if I plant them with the intent they'll grow, won't happen. If I plant them because I think they're dead and throw them away, they grow. That's the way it works for me. But the promise of spring, in all of those things, God is speaking something to you, and that something is love. Love. Infinite love. Unconditional love that God pours out again and again and again, and it never ends. That's what that infinite thing means. It just keeps coming in waves. The journey of, of our faith is to tune our hearts, to peel back the layers so that we can hear the pure song God wants to sing through our hearts to us through all of the means I mentioned and probably ones I don't even know yet. God has written the law, the law of love on your heart. You don't have to yell it at your neighbor. But you can show it if you preach the gospel at all times. And when necessary, use words. Listen to your heart. Listen with your heart. God is still speaking. God is still speaking.